should go back and listen because these messages, as we've said over the past three weeks, are the core values of our church. We've referred to them as the heartbeat and the DNA of Stonebridge. They are what make us who we are as a church. They are what make us unique and different than maybe some of the other churches that you have gone to or maybe churches, other churches in town. Uh, our three C's are celebrate, connect, and contribute. We celebrate who God is and what he has done for each and every one of us. We connect with each other, and not just here on Sunday morning, but through the week in connection groups, in women's Bible studies, in youth group. There's many opportunities for connecting with each other and connecting with God throughout the week here at Stonebridge. And then we believe in contributing. We contribute in, in many different ways. Last week, Matt preached on the topic of contributing your treasures. And like he said, Jesus didn't just give 10% of himself on the cross. He gave all of himself on the cross. He gave himself so that all of us could have salvation through that sacrifice. And when we understand what the gospel means to each and every one of us, it frees us to give radically of our finances. And that's a tough topic. And I'm glad that Matt covered it and I didn't have to. But today, we're going to look at the other half of contributing. And so I made the joke a couple weeks ago, you know, four weeks and three C's. Well, this is why. Because when we looked at the, the three C's and we looked at the idea of contributing, that's really two separate topics. Contributing our treasures. And now today we're going to talk about contributing our time and our talent. But first, I want to I do something with you. I have a little activity for you all. I want you all to close your eyes. Trust me. I'm not going to throw pies. Some of you are really, really hesitant. You're like, eh, I don't know about that. Close your eyes with me. I'm not going to throw a pie at you or mess with you. This isn't youth group anymore, so I don't get to hurt people from the stage. <laughs> but what I want you to do is I want you to try and remember. Go back in your mind mentally. What is the greatest gift you've ever received? Maybe it was as a child. Maybe it was that hot new toy of the season. If you're old like me, maybe it was a Furby. Or maybe it was that, that first ever Nintendo. Or you're younger and you know it's the Xbox One or the PS4. Whatever it is, I want you to remember that. Maybe it was something that wasn't necessarily the hot new toy, but it was just something that brought you amazing memories from that point on. It was maybe your first bicycle. And you know what the bicycle meant. It meant freedom. It meant you could go to your friend's house and you could just get all over the place. And those are the memories that you are filled with when you remember that gift. Maybe the greatest gift you ever received was as an adult. Maybe it was a, a special piece of jewelry from your uh, significant other. Maybe it was something handmade by your children. And you know the work and the time that they put into it. And it's special to you. It didn't cost a lot, but they handmade this for you. Whatever that gift is, I want you to remember it. Remember all the feelings you had, hoping you would get it. 
Maybe as a child, you would go through the Thanksgiving ads and circle all the things you wanted, but there was just that, that one item you wanted more than the others. You waited all month to see if you would actually get it, and it felt like Christmas would never come. Every time you would go to the store, you would run to the aisle to make sure that item was still available. Please make sure that it isn't sold out yet. I, I don't know if Santa's going to bring it. I don't know if he's got my letter yet, and it looks like it's getting sold out, and Mom and Dad said I'm not going to get it. Remember all those thoughts, all those feelings. If you have that gift in your mind and, and all the feelings that went with it, go ahead and open your eyes. That gift for my son came last year. I think it comes every year for him, but last year was the year. He wanted a remote-controlled Yoda. It was like this huge remote-controlled Yoda. I remember him seeing it in the case as we went through Target, and he would just go running up to it, and he would stand there, and you could press the button, and you could see all the activities that it would do. It was amazing. It could, it could train you on how to use the force. It moved, and it, and it reacted to you. It even talked. He wanted it so badly. He circled it in the Target ad, and that was the only thing he circled at once. Mom gives him the Target ad, and she says, circle what you want. He circles that and hands it back. She's like, we need more than one item. No, that's all I want. That's all I want. I know it's expensive. That's all I want for Christmas. He would, every time we'd go to, to Starbucks, every time we'd go to Target, he'd run over, and he'd stand there, and he'd just stare at that Yoda. He would tell everyone that's all he wanted. So Christmas Day came. And Christmas Eve, we go to my grandparents' house, and he opened all the presents and nothing. And Christmas morning comes, and he opened all the presents from Andrea and I and nothing. And he's getting really frustrated. And Christmas day, night comes, and my mother comes. And he gets, he's opening all the presents, and he has one last present left. And, and Yoda arrives. It was the greatest gift ever. We knew what it was. That's why we made him open it last because we knew we'd lose him after that. It was the greatest gift ever. For about a day, maybe two, maybe even a week at best. He played with it constantly for about a week. But when he started playing with it, he realized that he didn't really learn the force it kind of just did the same 12 things over and over and over again. And it really only worked well on the tile kitchen floor. And mom wasn't going to let Yoda hang out in the kitchen forever. So for the past 10 months, Yoda has gotten moved around his room, collecting dust, not getting played with. And for the past several months, Yoda has just been chilling in the closet shelf, not even getting touched for 10 months probably, just sits there. The reason I had you all think of the greatest gift you ever received because I wanted you to, to have those thoughts. You and the gifts that you have, the gifts and the talents that you have inside you, that's how God sees you. He sees you as the greatest gift ever. He gives the best of himself, and he gives all of himself 
to those who follow and obey him. But how quickly God's greatest gifts become useless when they're not applied or used. How quickly this year's greatest gifts become next year's garage sale deals. Now I look out across the room and I see D6 teachers, worship team members, connection group leaders, and I see many others who have the potential to fill into all of those areas and maybe many others that we haven't even thought of yet. But some of you say, I, I just don't have time. I'm not, I'm not equipped enough. I just don't, I, I'm not comfortable with that. I just don't really know how to do it. The only logical response to a God that has given so much of himself to us is to offer all of it back, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, to serve him and to contribute our time and talents. Open your Bibles with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Many people in the church have a, a twofold belief. Many times they give generously what they feel they have excess of, and they hold tight to whatever they feel they are lacking. For some of you, the idea of contributing your finances or your treasures, that was a hard topic. You don't feel like you have enough to give, so when messages like last week come through and you hear them, they make you feel a little bit squeamish. But those of you are some that are the first to be here serving. If the church is open, you're here. You want to give all of your time and your abilities. You feel like you can contribute your time and energy to make up for what you should be giving financially. Now, for those of you who feel like you don't have enough time or maybe you don't have enough talent, you are the ones who tend to give a little extra financially. Again, you feel like you're making up for the time. You're like, oh, I just, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I work 80-hour work weeks and I, I run, run, run. And then I do all this other stuff for my family. And I just don't have time. So I'll just give, you know, when we come up and we say, hey, we need people to donate for, or we need people to, to serve for a trunk or treat or whatever. You're like, I'll just give you $100. You just go apply that to trunk or treat because I don't have time for that. But here's money. I'll just throw money at what you need to do. And you just go do God's work with the money that I'm giving you. What if I told you God wants both? 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Each one of us has received a special gift from God. And he gave us that gift as a loving father gives gifts. And he gives us that gift with the expectation that we will use that gift. And this is one of the harder sermons that I've had to write because I could literally probably take a passage from every single book of the Bible and apply it to serving and using your gifts and talents. 
where do I zone in when I talk about this idea? We could talk about the, the parable of the talents and not hiding our talents, not hiding our time. You know, in just a minute, we'll be jumping over to Romans 12 and looking at how everyone's gift is different. But for now, I want to look at why. Why we are to contribute our time and talent. In verse 10 of this passage, we see that our gifts are given in order to serve one another as stewards of God's grace. That's why. We are to serve and to give our time and our talent because of the grace and the mercy and the cross because of everything that God has given for us. It is because of grace that we have any abilities, talents, or even time. We think that we may be great painters or singers or communicators because we've practiced long hours and we've perfected our skill, and that is probably true. I am not, thankfully for you all, I am not the communicator that I was six years ago. But very few people just pick up a guitar and just start shredding like Slash from Guns N' Roses or Jimi Hendrix. A few do, but very few. You have to practice and hone your skills. But no no matter how many hours we have been perfecting our skill, they are all outpouring from God's grace. This passage talks about hospitality, speaking, and serving. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts, and God uses all of them. But neither one is more important. Each Christian, every single one of you, and every Christian in this world has at least one spiritual gift, at least one. And the purpose of that gift is to glorify God and to build up each other, build up his church. Just like when we talked about Uh, connecting and contributing our treasure. The same applies for contributing our time and talent. God God doesn't just give part of himself. Jesus didn't just die partially on on the cross. Jesus was holy God and he gave all of himself on the cross so that each and every one of us could experience the abundant blessings that he gives to us every single day. Yes, it's about eternity and heaven and all of the salvation that brings, but it's also about the abundant blessings that you get poured out on you every single day. And some of you say, may say, my life isn't that great. You have breath, you have life. That sometimes is, is good enough to thank God. Some people think that work and service is, is part of the punishment of sin. Well, it's only because of Adam and Eve that we even have to work and serve and do all that. If it wasn't, wouldn't have been for them, we could just hang out and just sing praise all day long. It's clear if you read through Revelation, though, that in the future, we will continue to serve God for all of eternity and glorify him every day. And we will do it perfectly and with unending joy. We'll be glad to serve each other in heaven and God. We can see a few gifts that are listed here in, first, in the first Peter passage. And there are dozens 
of gifts lists throughout the Bible. And we could do an entire sermon series on what the gifts are and what they mean and how to define each one and how to apply it. But today I want to just look at, at Romans for a little bit. So if you can flip over to Romans chapter 3, verses 8. We're going to spend just a little bit of time there just talking about the body of Christ. You know, that's one of the probably the best passages when we talk about serving and talking about why we serve the body. And I'm sure many of you have heard sermons on the body of Christ. But we're going to go through it one more time for you all. Romans 12, starting at verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts of mercy, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So obviously there are dozens, or there are several gifts listed here. Mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading. This is not an exhaustive list, though. There are many other gifts that we could talk about. But the main thing I want to focus on is the verses about the body of Christ. God has entrusted a spiritual gift to you. He has given it to you. Whatever it is, he has given that gift and that talent to you. But we need to understand, we are, we're just a part. But there are many parts. No matter how great we think we are, how wonderful of a, a singer or a communicator, how amazing I think that I am, God did not look down and point at me and say, oh, I choose you. You are exactly what I need. My team is nothing without you. We're just a part in God's big plan, God's big story, he gave you a gift. When we talk about the body of Christ, we have to think about our, our own bodies. It's obvious. You, you automatically think that way. You know? It's like, does my body exist for my hand or does my hand exist for my body? You may say, well, I don't know if you would be able to preach without your hands, Joey. Well, that's probably true. Andrea often threatens to tie my hands behind my back and I would probably just stand here staring at you all. But you exist for the body. The body does not exist for you. Two weeks ago when I talked about contributing or connecting and we, and we looked at Hebrews 10, it talked about how to consider, how to stir up one another for good works and not neglecting the meeting together. The purpose of the meeting is not what you can get out of it. It's about what you can contribute to the service. 
Verse 4, it says that not every part is the same. And verse 5 says that we need each other. Not every part has the same function. The mouth doesn't do the same thing as the foot. But if I don't eat with my mouth, pretty soon I'm not going to be walking with my foot. They all need each other. Now, I know many of you have heard probably different analogies and sermons on the body of Christ and probably from cars to Legos to building materials. And I could hold up a nail and say, what would it look like if we built this entire church without this itty-bitty nail? It'd be nothing. But when when I think about the body of Christ, for some reason, my mind always goes to cooking. And I, it's probably because I'm terrible at cooking and I don't understand how it all works, But I always think about this idea, you know, it just happened this past week where Andrea's baking a ton of stuff for three different events and she's cooking like crazy and we think we have all the ingredients. What happens when you're missing that one ingredient? It could be something that you don't need for months at a time, but then all of a sudden in the middle, it's like, Joey, go grab me the oil. Okay, what? Uh, The the coconut oil? No, you don't want the cupcakes to taste like coconut. Okay, what about the olive oil? No, you can't use olive oil in cupcakes either. The vegetable oil. Oh my gosh, which one's the vegetable? I don't think we have vegetable. Yes, we do. It's in there. You just got, oh my gosh, we don't have vegetable oil. What are we going to do? I've got all this stuff mixed up, ready to go, and now you don't have any vegetable. You got to go. You got to hurry. You got to run to the store. Luckily, we only live like five minutes away, so you got to rush, rush, rush. Don't talk to Patrick for 15 minutes like you do every single time you go in there. Just get in there and get out. Hurry up. It's the same way with the body of Christ. If we don't have all the ingredients, if we're missing one little ingredient, We can't function properly. We need every piece in order to function properly. We need to understand that God is doing something bigger than us. We need to be able to say, God, I want to do what you have designed me to do with with all the energy that is in me. Verse 3 in Romans says that the gifts we have been given are according to the grace of God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and all that he poured out, we get the opportunity to use our gifts. We get to. We get to serve him. I, I get to talk about him. They get, they get to play music and sing for him. You get, to, you get to teach kids about him. You get to. Something else that's always important to bring up when we discuss serving and contributing our time and talent is what is your attitude? When someone asks you if you will serve in some capacity or another, do you think, I guess I'll do it because nobody else is stepping up. If I don't, who will? And no one else is going to do it. Do Do you do it begrudgingly? Do you sit here, you know, I think about the worship team, they're like, ugh. I have to get up and I have to be at church by 7 in the morning. It's so early. I wish I could sleep in until 9 and stroll in like the pastors right before service starts. That'd sure be nice. Those lazy pastors, they work like 10 to 4 every day. They don't do anything. Us worship leaders, we're here at the crack of dawn. When we serve, we need to see it for what it truly is. Over in Ephesians 3, it talks about our service being a privilege that God has given us. 
First Peter refers to it as using our gifts of God's grace. And Romans 12 here ends by saying, doing it cheerfully. And that's not just talking about the mercy. That was the, the capstone on all of those gifts that he talked about. With all of those, do it cheerfully. If we truly want people to see the love of Jesus through our service, and I hope that's why we're doing it, we need to do it cheerfully. And we need to see it for, as such an honor and a privilege that God has chosen. He's chosen you, and he's gifted you with individual talents. You get to serve him. I'm blown away. In just a month and a half, I'm already blown away by the level of talent that this one church has, from teaching to singing to hospitality to serving I'm blown away by the level of talent. God does not give one body of Christ this much talent just to sit on or to build us up, to make us feel good about ourselves. We are called to use our gifts and talents to glorify God and to make disciples. Just because God has given this one church so much talent, that doesn't mean that someone else will do it. Just because you can look and say, CJ is really good at the bass and he does it every single week. There's no point in me doing it even though I can do it. No, you've got to use those gifts. He has gifted you in a certain way for a specific reason. You need to use it. Or else you will become the 10-month-old Christmas gift collecting dust waiting for the next garage sale. When we talk about serving most of the time in the church, we think about the church. We think about children's ministry and Bible study teachers and worship leaders, and we definitely need all of those. But we also have to realize that God has placed us in a certain community for a reason. In Jeremiah 29, the Israelites are being exiled, and they're being sent off to Babylon. And they're heading off into this horribly wicked, bloodthirsty country. Pagan, non-believing, sacrificing children, just horribly wicked. And as Israel is walking off to Babylon, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, tells them to go into this city and see it prosper. And to pray for God to work through the leaders of that city. Pray for that wicked city. Serve that wicked city. Prosper that wicked city. Use your gifts and talent for that wicked city. We are called to be salt and light in an increasingly sinful world. If we only serve our church, how will the next generation in Boone community come to know and obey Jesus? Tim Keller says in his book, Loving the City, that it is not enough for Christians to form a culture that merely counters the values of the city. We must also commit with all the resources of our faith and life to serve sacrificially the good of the whole city, especially those who have less. He then goes on to ask the question, if you and your church were to disappear completely off the face of the earth tomorrow, would the community out there even care? Would they even notice? I think the opposite question is true as well. If, if the community around us was to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow, would we as a church even care? Oh, thank goodness, all those non-believers are gone. Now we can just love Jesus here and not worry about them infecting our children or causing us to stumble. 
We want our church, we want Stonebridge to be a church that can truly say that we love this community. We want to be able to say, we love Boone. We love where God has placed us. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We do this by serving Boone, not just our church, with our gifts, our talents, and our time. I want to briefly discuss one more thought, and that comes to us from Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12. So one more time to flip. Like I said, starting next week, we're not going to be topical. I'm not going to flip back and forth between seven different passages. So hopefully we can stay in one general area. But today is the last time. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. One of the most crippling ideas to invade the church over the centuries is that there is some sort of special class of Christians called clergy and that they're the ones who do the ministry. Well, the rest of the church just sits back and lets them do it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, I'm sorry, actually 11 through 13. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We come to church looking to get fed, forgetting all the while that we are fully able to feed ourselves. This past summer, I took my old youth group to a trip to Haiti. And while we were there, we were serving in an orphanage. And, and while we were there, I was, I was feeding this child in the orphanage. And I got a glimpse into what some Christians have become today. As I'm spoon-feeding this stew into this orphan's mouth, every spoonful I put in his mouth, three-fourths of it dribbles back down his chin. And I got to scoop it back up and put it back in, and then half more comes back. And it's just this unending process of scoop, spoon, scoop, and just over and over again. I'm doing this so that he can get all the nutrients he needs. I'm not just going to shovel the food in there as fast as possible and be like, look, I'm done. I did my job. The bowl's empty. Well, he's covered in food. Did you give him anything? I don't know. Bowl's empty. Job's done. No, we got to make sure he gets everything. So we scoop every drop off and put it back in his mouth. How many of us leave here Sunday morning and we turn to the pastor and we say, really great message. Or during the week, we, we thank our connection group leader, our Bible study leader, and we say, thank you so much for helping me understand that passage and for helping me apply it to my life. But then we leave here, we leave there, and three-fourths of what we have just been spoon-fed dribbles down our chin. The only problem is the pastors and the connection group leaders and the Bible study leaders are not chasing after us, trying to spoon-feed it back, trying to scoop it off our chin so that we can get it. We have to realize that the work of the shepherds, the pastors, and the teachers is to equip us in the work of the ministry. We have to realize that we must feed ourselves. If we are expecting the shepherds to do all the ministry, very little is going to get done. When we were in Haiti, we heard a proverb that says, many hands make light work. I loved that proverb. Many hands make light work. Each of us is responsible for the work of the ministry. The next line in verse 13, it says how the work of equipping carries on until we all have come to such unity and our faith that we will be mature. 
There is a direct correlation between the maturing Christian and the equipping for the work. As we become more equipped for the work, we become more mature in our faith. And so the adverse is true as well. If you are not being equipped for the work of ministry, there's less maturity in your walk with Jesus. When we say ministry, we're not just talking about preaching or teaching or singing. We're talking about any service that we do for the church and for this community in the name of Jesus. The point is that we need to get out of the stands and get onto the playing field. Christianity is not and never has been a spectator sport. Now, we wanted to end our time today by giving you all a, a clear p- invitation to respond. It wouldn't make a lot of sense if, if I preached to you all about contributing your time and your talents, and I didn't actually give you the needs of the church family and of the community. You should have gotten a response card when you walked in, and by this time, some of you have probably lost it, or you know, luckily Shane's not here today because he probably would have turned it into a paper airplane and thrown it across the room. Maybe some of you are like that as well, too. Um, so we have a couple of men towards the back. If you misplaced your card, or you thought, I'm already serving, I don't need a card, um, raise your hand and they can give you another one if you want to. We're not going to force you. Um, And then as you're coming out, right by the exits, those same gentlemen will be standing there with a box. And you can just simply drop your card in the box as you are walking out. Now, just because you mark that you're interested in an area, we're not automatically going to get you plugged in next week and make you serve next week. That's not how it works. We'll contact you and we'll, we'll see that whoever leads that ministry will see about getting you plugged in and serving, helping out. So first up as on the list, you can see D6. D6 is our children's ministry, and it actually stands for Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It is the command in the Old Testament that God gave the Israelites to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and might, and then to teach that to teach that to their children so that they may know about God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and teach it as you sit up, as you rise down, as you go out. It's about a nonstop teaching of Jesus. It's not just come to church, learn about Jesus. It's all day, every day. D6 is an amazing ministry that helps our children to know the amazing love of Jesus. And it, and it helps parents. It equips the parents to take those lessons home with them through the week. So as you're at the dinner table or you're driving home in the car, you have questions and you have the answers to what your children are learning about. We typically run between 50 to 60 kids every Sunday in our D6 program. That's awesome. That is a ton of kids for that little wing over there. And Jen Hansen does an awesome job of keeping that ministry going, but it cannot continue without the faithful work of God's people. We need, we need teachers. We need people that can help bring the Bible to life for our kiddos, acting out the stories, dramatically telling the stories, just helping the kids to see that the Bible is alive and it's exciting. And the kids don't bite. At least Jen says they don't bite often and they don't bite too hard anyway. Stay out of Axel's room. Um, No, they don't bite. 
not too hard. Um, Maybe even you've served in that area. I know I've heard stories and, and you guys have been growing as a church. And so maybe some of you were serving in D6 a year ago and you're like, man, I got burnt out so hard, so fast. We were serving like every single weekend. Many hands make light work. Jen now has a rotation. One week on, two weeks off. And the more people we get serving in that area, the bigger the rotation can be. And so we need help with that. We also have, so some of you have seen the, the pictures and the videos. We have a whole new room over there. Some of the guys in the church, they built a room and they painted it and they got these really cool carpets and it's really looking awesome over there. And the room is because we have the fourth graders through kinder, four-year-olds through kindergartners in one room. That's a big age gap. And there's typically 14 to 20 kids in that one room. And so we built that wall to separate the two. We'd love to have just a four-year-old classroom, but we need workers for that classroom. If teaching is too scary for you, don't worry. You can still mark D6. You can be a helper. Helpers support the teacher, and they just provide an extra hand and heart in the classroom. I'm going to skip around on what the list is on there. You see on their facilities, we have been blessed with this building and the two trailers to use for our ministry. We also have the building across the street and the Crawford Hall down the road. We want to be able to use all of these buildings for the glory of God. But I think we can all agree that if we would have built a church from the ground up, this isn't quite what we would have built. It's not quite where we want it to be. And so we need help in those areas. We we need painting, building, cleaning. CJ has a list of things that need to be done around here. And so probably some of those take a fair amount of knowledge, like building a, building a wall. So Matt and I are going to go ahead and stay away from those kind of projects because you don't want us building a wall. It'll fall down. Um, others of the list, they probably need a lot less knowledge and ability. Either way, your abilities are needed. I'm sure that there's plenty to do. You see it, administration, admin on the list. We are a young church, and and let's be honest, we are not at the point that we can hire someone to plan and organize all the projects and ministries within the church. Things like the facilities that need to be worked on, that need someone to organize a date and time and coordinate people and supplies to, to be done here to do the things on the list. Now, if that's where your gifts and talents are, you're like, I love spreadsheets and organization and administration. If that's your thing, mark that and let one of us know. We'd love to get you plugged in. You see greeters on the list. We also call that hospitality. These are the first people you run into when you walk in on Sunday morning. Some tasks are as simple as handing people our bulletin and saying hello. We also need people who are willing to come early, make coffee, make sure the front area is welcoming to our families and our guests as we get newcomers. We need worship team members. It's really easy to stand here and look up every single Sunday and see, and it's like, wow, that's awesome. We have a full band. That's, I don't need to use my gifts and talents. Well, Shane always needs more people. Again, many hands make light work. Then CJ doesn't have to play bass every single week. He can, he can make pancakes for his kids at home on Sunday morning. He's not liking that I keep talking about him, are you? <laughs> we're very blessed. And, and honestly, we need, we need drummers. Because we're very blessed to be able to borrow people from Cornerstone. But we would love to have people that could drum and, and participate that are right here in our community, loving God's people in this community, and loving the community as a whole. 
We also need, it says tech on there. We need sound people, lighting people, slide people. I know it says tech and that sounds super scary, but don't let it scare you away. You don't have to be super techie. Matt says that even he can pull it off. You just have to be able to read and follow direction. And lastly, as I'm already getting told to tie it up quickly, because I always go over, we have community service opportunities coming up. For the past month, I have really just been trying to get my feet underneath me, but that was one of the big reasons why Stonebridge brought me in, community service and outreach. We want to love Boone, and we want to serve Boone. And actually, in the next week, I have several meetings with elementary principles and the impact community action of how our church can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. We're going to have opportunities to come alongside the schools and truly bless them. We've also been meeting with Mike Easton about getting information about Crawford Hall. I know third place, Cornerstone, and Stonebridge all desperately have a strong desire to see that building opened up as soon as God permits. And once it does, we will have the opportunity to serve the people that are staying there and help them to better know Jesus. As you guys are praying about this and just thinking, I just want you really to try and find one area where you can use your gifts and talents. We want to help you be able to use your gifts and talents for God's glory. So feel free to mark as many areas on that list as you're interested in, and, and one of us will, some, somebody will contact you over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to pray, and our worship team will come back up and, and lead us out. Um, we truly want to help you contribute your time and your talents for God's glory and to further his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these passages. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we get the opportunity to serve you sacrificially, unconditionally, every single week. It is such a blessing to serve you and to serve the least of these in this community. And so help us to see that for what it truly is. Help us to pray about how we can come alongside the least of these and how to just serve our body here. In your name we pray. Amen.